As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! What psychological power does the new Premier League ball wield? What are the words man of the match going to cost you these days? What's the German word for root and branch review? What does it take for a team's tournament to come alive? Can you run your socks into the ground? What's the official threshold for a thumping? And who was the Premier League manager texting Jonathan Pearce during Ukraine versus Sweden? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £1 a month for six months. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 79 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me triumphantly is David Walker, first of all. You were there. I was there. England versus Germany. What was your favourite little moment of the day? I've only just seen this on the running order before we start recording it. And little moment is difficult because it did very much a day of enormous moments for me. Uh, is Thomas Muller's miss too big to be a little moment? No, no, I wouldn't. Well, I mean, that's fine. It would, let's not worry about technicalities here. I mean... <laughs> It was, it was an exceptionally good moment. I celebrated it almost as much as the goal. And because I had a row, because of the sort of quite random way the seating was arranged, there were like full up rows which were almost pretty full. And then there were rows which were basically only had two people on it, which is which what I had. There was only me and my, my mate on this whole row. And I basically ran the length of the row when Muller missed because I was sort of preparing to like... You get the chance to do that at a football game. Exactly. Preparing to <laughs> yeah. sink to my knees in despair. 
And then when he missed, I couldn't believe it. I just kept going. I ran about 30 metres or something. So that was that was my favourite little moment, aside from the uh, the chaos and pandemonium of the goal. When the first goal went in, I had to cut short my celebrations because a, a girl had fallen three rows from above me and she was just lying prone on the floor. I, like For a second, I, I was like very concerned. Thankfully, she was fine. We got her up and we delivered her back to her, what I think was her dad. Uh, she, wasn't, she was like not young. She was probably in her 20s, but um, slightly concerning moment. But that was kind, that kind of gives you a sense of just, I mean, I've never experienced the amount of, I don't want to say, the, it's, not, it's more than limbs. It's body. It was bodies. It was just bodies flying in all directions. Yeah, this is where the social distancing didn't help, giving people more creative freedom to, to move their bodies. Don't they, they, they factored this into the public health interest. To help us explore that angle and many others alongside you is Nick Miller. Nick, um, would you like to hazard a guess um, what the German word is for root and branch investigation? Mm, tricky one. Uh, it's it's going to be, I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be one long single word rather than uh, a series of small words. Any guess I make will be ten- potentially be quite offensive so I'm going to, um, I'll cede the floor to you. I mean, this by no means is the official answer. I'm sure the, the official answer is much better than this but from what I can gather it's Wurzelzweig Untersuchung. That fits. Just about long as you know, it's about as long as you'd want it to be, isn't it? Really. Yeah. But since we're probably due, they're, well, they're due one. They're going to have to have a whole other one. They did one in two thousand. They, they're going to have to do it all over again. How annoying! Must I mean, Dave? How annoying must a root and branch investigation be? I don't think anyone's actually looked into the practicalities of doing it. That's an athletic long read. Well, it's, you know, it's fantastic news for Rafa Honigstein. He's going to get a, get a new book out of this. That's Some really comfort. reboot. Yeah. Some <laughs> comfort. I don't know what's the, what's the sort of statute of limitations on root and branch reviews? Can you have another? How long do you have to wait before you have another one? Can you have another one in sort of living memory of the previous one? I suppose it's a generational thing, isn't it? So yeah. twenty-one years is probably okay. I think they're due one. Probably yeah, time to do it again. I mean, they I'm not sure this really opposite direction. I don't know. Does does this qualify as a root and branch for you though? Because you know everyone knew Jogilu was going anyway. They've got some good young players. They've got a guy who coming in who won the Champions League recently. So. I don't know. Does this qual- I'm not sure it qualifies as a really no, no, review. No, I think you, you might be right. Uh, but, but this is all part of the uh, um, English over-celebration of this situation. So uh, <laughs> um, I was just, I was just um, turning the screw, to be honest. But yeah, we'll get on to England and Germany in greater detail shortly. Um, domestic matters first, though, David Walker. It's this time of year that we... Um, that we feel obliged to dig into the um, unique marketing language that is the new Premier League ball, because that's been released quietly during Euro 2020. It's the the Nike flight. I don't like the name already. No, it's, it's not particularly grand enough, isn't it? But um, but don't worry, they make up for it with the marketing gump. I can assure you that the base of the graphic is a black organic pattern inspired by the Premier League being one of the most exciting and connected leagues in the world. I, wa- I want that on my ball. I want them to to ram home just how connected the Premier League is, whatever that means. Yeah, well, connected to what? What does that mean? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, lots of people around the world watch it. I, I, that's what I'm getting from that. Yeah, okay. But um, an important thing for a ball, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, con- uh, connected, maybe connected to other balls around the world. It's, you know, it's got a strong you know, visual and spiritual connection with the Bundesliga ball or something. I yeah, I certainly hope so. Oh, but it gets better from here. Um, Dave, the crimson circles on this ball drive enhanced visual performance, allowing the players to read the pace and spin of the ball. That's pretty classic. React quicker and feel confident in their decisions. (laughs) That's a new twist. I mean, I knew the visibility thing. um, That's been around for a few years, but feeling confident in your decisions. That is... uh... 
every time you, you you're whenever whenever one of these balls comes out, whether it be for a Premier League season or a major tournament, you you always think surely they just there's there's nowhere left to go. There is no more nonsensical words that can be said about a football. But somehow, really enjoy it. somehow they it. keep finding new places to take this, feeling confident in their decisions because of the crimson circles on the football. <laughs> It feels like you know you know those kind of I think they were quite a big thing in the nineties. Those tapes, there's like they weren't hypnosis tapes. They were tapes you were supposed to play in your sleep with like you know motivational stuff in them. That you know. Oh yes, you're would... a strong, confident woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, exactly that. They were supposed to cure you of um, addiction to smoking or you know confidence issues or something like that. That sounds a lot like that. The other thing <laughs> I from from just looking at this ball. I know that the thing that that uh, that is always usually said. I think this is mainly tournament balls. Is they're rounder than ever. Mm. This this doesn't look very round. It looks all ridgy. <laughs> What's going on? They they oh, eschewed um, the roundness. Well, I mean, you, you talk about meta roundness, as in the overall shape of the ball, which I believe is always as round as rounder than ever. But no, we're into kind of real kind of um, textured territory these days. So that um, they're they're aero grooves, I believe. I, I oh. may have made that up, but right. um, no, that they're they're. they're Designed purely for a stable flight. My um my main concern about the visual appearance of the ball is that actually in the close up PR shots, it kind of looks quite cool. I think you know it's like the the black um, pattern on it is sort of it's not uniform. It's kind of a bit all over the place, and it, it doesn't sort of conform to the usual patterns, which looks quite nice. It's like it's like you've taken a tango and sort of melted it and dropped the black <laughs> yes. bit all over the ball. Yeah, you're right, but. Hmm. But what's it going to look like zoomed out? I think it could look terrible on a normal match day camera angle. Yeah, the litmus test is is the kind of sort of mid range um, action replay camera angle of a shot going in. That's that's where you want you want your ball to look good, I suppose. But yeah, I mean that that will be the test it needs to pass. Okay, that's dealt with. Um, let's head back to Euro twenty twenty territory, Nick. A little bit of information for you. You may have picked up on the fact that the organisers dish out a star of the match award after every game, so players politely, sweatily, smiling for the cameras as they hold their Heineken-sponsored trinket. Gong. I don't, I, don't like using, I don't like the word gong, so I'll use neither of those words. Anyway, uh, the star of the match apparently is just a very grand term that they're using for this competition, but having dug a little deeper, it turns out that the phrase, man of the match, isn't theirs to use, because back in 2012, the intellectual property rights to the words man of the match were sold in auction for a high six-figure sum, having been initially trademarked back in 2002. I didn't know. I didn't know that man of the match was somebody's property. So hang on, do, do we know who bought it um, and what they plan to do with it? It was an unnamed um, purchaser. Oh. Um, but I kept, but I, having dug even deeper, I can confirm that it is owned by a company called MOTM Limited. So it <laughs> seems like they're destined to have it. I don't know. <laughs> what a coincidence. Yes. What, I mean, what, so, so does this kind of company send out an invoice every time they say match of the day on Sky or something? I or, think that's their and, sole purpose of their existence is basically charging people to use Man of the Match. Um, quite what the legal vagaries of this are, Dave, I'm not entirely sure, but um, uh, I, I feel quite wary about using it from now on. So... I didn't realise this happened back in 2012. I thought it was recently. So we should make, you know, that would make sense maybe why uh, all of a sudden it's star of the match in the Euros because it was a recent recent legal case. But 2012, so everyone who's been using Man of the Match for the last nine years have been doing so illegally? Or, or have they've, they been, you know, they've licensed it. Paying, yeah, they've paying licensed, it. paid a little bit of cash to use, Very strange. use that phrase. Yeah, it seems a bit of a shame. But I, I wonder what other phrases 
are going to be denied us, you know, taken in by the elite. I mean, um, good feet for a big man, Nick, I feel like is really up for grabs. Uh, yes. I can see like a betting company sort of taking that up. It, it really feels like this podcast could be in serious trouble if um, <laughs> people are going around. Uh, the running costs going are going to go through the roof. Yeah, tr- trademarking football cliches. Then, yeah, you know, we, we, we could be in some, some bother here. Anyway, fascinating little nugget from the weekend just gone, Dave. The Unai Simon own goal for Spain. Well, I mean, we can we can get into the um, argument about whether he was, it was his own goal or not, but that's that's beside the point. It was funny enough, I think we can safely say, it was a, it was an amusing moment uh, inherently. Um, enhanced quite rarely for me because I'm not much of a, B- a radio football commentary fan, but I thought Izzy Christensen's co-commentary on Five Live really did enhance this moment. Let's hear it. It was going back across goal and that's why it's hit Vida's arm, but no, his arm was by, by his side and not a penalty, but my word, two huge chances for Spain. <gasps> huge! Oh my word! It's a mistake by the goalkeeper! Levesque! I can't believe this! There is an opening goal for Croatia that has come completely against the... Dave, you just don't, you don't get enough genuine gasps like that in co-commentary. Brilliant. Perfectly natural reaction. I, th- I think it's <laughs> it's what we would all have been doing had we been watching the game or, or listening to the game along with her. So in from that respect, I think totally in step with the audience. Um, it's Nick, it was, you know, it was so appropriate a noise that I, I feel like I, could, I would have been able to picture it so vividly if I was just listening to it at the time, particularly on the um, the Monday of chaos and action, we all I think everyone made some incredibly involuntary noises at various things <laughs> happening, not least a kind of forty five yard own goal. It was quite nice that it it very it very very slightly prefaced the actual commentary and dis- description. Yes. So you were le- you were given like a sort of a very very small split second before what happened became clear to kind of speculate on what had happened. It was either going to be some some kind of a comical own goal or something like that, or an, a repeat of that the the parachutist that that oh, flew into that, to the Germany game and nearly wiped out a, a bunch of um, it was who was it was it Deschamps he he yeah he. he he sort of there was some detritus or something that nearly hit Deschamps or something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, something like that could have happened. Such was the gasp. I mean, for a second, you you really do wonder what the hell has happened. But yeah, luckily, a mere footballing mishap. Um, moving on from this, uh, Daniel Grant writes in Dave and says, just after Spain scored their fifth goal in their game against Croatia, commentator Joe Spate said Spain's tournament has come alive. It got me thinking. What is the threshold for a side's tournament coming alive? It feels ridiculous to say a side who had previously won 5-0 in a tournament hadn't yet come alive until they scored their fifth goal in a knockout game they were already winning. As a potential criteria for this, I'd say a side must score three or more goals and or score a goal of the tournament contender for their tournament to come alive. What do you respond to Daniel Grant's criteria? So Spain's tournament had come alive after they scored the fifth in that game. I didn't, They were alive already, surely. They'd been 3-1 up. My, my first thought, Nick, is that their 5-0 win over Slovakia probably doesn't count because it was a very run-of-the-mill 5-0 and throw in a couple of calamitous Slovakian own goals, I don't think it qualified as your tournament coming alive at all. Yeah, I, I guess so. I think I think the, the threshold for coming alive... Ideally, you haven't won a game previously. Um, so I suppose... Or if you have won a game, it's underwhelming. But if you're filing that a 5-0 victory is underwhelming, then, you, you know, that's that's fine. But no, you de- definitely can't... It definitely can't come alive uh, in, in a game... That you were, yeah, as Dave said, already winning three-one, and then 
pegged back and then you, you've you know no I don't think that's that's not that's not coming alive I don't think no I mean this is a very unusual case study for this but um, Dave has England's tournament come alive yet I think must it, have done I, yeah I think it did come alive last night I think as Nick said you know, the, the wins that we had were very you know rudimentary tight un- relatively uneventful one nils and then obviously the nil nil of Scotland and then yesterday the euphoric two nil victory with all those fans in the stadium that was the perfect example of a tournament coming very much coming coming to life before our eyes mm, yeah agreed uh, no issues there. Um, tell you whose tournament hasn't come alive. That's France. Uh, no one seems to do kind of imploding quite like the French Nick. Um, but this this was a lovely little twist on their tournament exit. Um, Adrian Rabiot's mum slash agent, Veronique, reportedly said to Kylian Mbappe's family after he'd missed his penalty. It is embarrassing how he struck that for a player of his level. He hit it too lightly. I hope you are going to scold him. Um, <laughs> very pride and prejudice. That quote. I mean, another entry in this long history of quotes from European football figures that sound very much made up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you always worry about things being lost in translation, but I think this is this is added something. It being if it's slightly ropely translated to to scolding. The thing about the other thing about this is that it, Rabiot actually uh, it, his mother was his agent, and he sacked her. Um, <laughs> After uh, a, I think it was a he, he, he was trying to move somewhere. I'm gonna, I want to say Barcelona, and the move collapsed. So he binned her off and got uh, a fair got a, fair a, a sort of more standard agent. It's very Sunday League, this isn't it? Kind <laughs> yeah, of it really just, is. Just you know, accosting someone's uh, someone's mum uh, and or, and sort of berating them for their son's poor performance that has cost their little boy his moment of glory. Okay, so on to England versus Germany matters. I'm trying to do this in some sort of vague chronology because uh, the build-up to this game was fascinating for someone like me who cares about this sort of thing, Nick. First point of call is 7.25am on BBC Breakfast. Possibly the most 7.25am BBC Breakfast segment imaginable in this context. Let's have a little listen to this. Fellas, they're going to be back in the stadium tonight for the first time since COVID, for the first time in 18 months, something like this. Play us out, get us excited. For anyone who needs a visual description of this, Nick, this is the the much maligned England band being wheeled out and forced to play nice little ditty on an AstroTurf pitch 10 hours before the game kicked off. There is Quite a bleak-looking AstroTurf pitch really as well, bleak. Along, along with a, a, for some reason, a cardboard cutout of, Carrie, of Harry Kane, <laughs> so and a goal, hard. and a solitary goal with a solitary England flag, sort of small, yep. quite small England flag draped over the net. I mean, really, yeah, not not a good, not a good look for the England band. Yeah, my sympathies to anyone who has to create set pieces like this for to fill content holes in the early hours of the day. Um, but yeah, the England band not presented in their finest light. And, and there, the camera if, angle if they, they used one. was that, so they sort of went in for a close-up once the, the trumpeters started playing. And then like behind the Harry Kane cutout, you saw like the extension cord thing that you wrapped, you know, the big circular <laughs> extension cord thing was there. You could see all the wires. You could, it's, it was 
pretty terrible. But also, were they there yesterday? I don't. I don't remember here. I was just going to say, I didn't. I, I the, when 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 yeah when Adam uh, I, 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 there was a lot of obviously a lot of stuff before the band. Oh God, the England band are back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you sent around the notes for this early one, this that that was the first time it occurred to me since before the game. I didn't hear them. And if you didn't hear them in the stadium, then, uh, no, Dave, then I don't uh, remember. maybe they... I don't remember hearing them at all. I mean, no. Maybe I mean, they I, were I, just there on the AstroTurf pitch. Still there. <laughs> maybe they got, <laughs> on their own. Maybe they got pinged. Mm. They got pinged before the game and had to, uh, weren't allowed <laughs> yes. to go in. Yeah, just an absurd, disproportionate number of people I know went to that game. I feel like this is very much sort of Oasis at Nebworth situation. A lot of people in the years to come are going to claim they were at Wembley when they weren't, but that's fine. We all enjoyed it in our own way. As the hours crept up until kickoff, Dave, we reached that... We reach that, well, point of mixed emotions that happens every couple of years, which is when a major tournament intersects with Wimbledon. And we all know, we all know the mirth that can erupt out of that. Here is um, German tennis ace Alexander Zverev being interviewed on court number one. Just finally, um, you have had the crowd on your side for the best part of two hours, so I'm going to ask this question carefully. I know you're a big football fan. Will you have time... <laughs> Will you actually have I'm, time to see the start of the match and give us I'm, your predictions? I'm going to give an answer where I'm going to get booed off the court and I'm never <laughs> going to play here again. Um, yeah, I mean, I just hope it goes to penalties and we'll, we'll see there. <laughs> Not a bad line, to be fair to No, it's all right. It's well fun. answered, uh, Sasha Zverev, yes. <laughs> Wonderful interview there, and I'm sure he'll be trying to get through his press uh, commitment so he can go and watch the game at five o'clock. He's he has hit all the notes perfectly there. That's it. the 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 classic, uh, it, and he's very much playing to the crowd. I know you don't. Uh, Wimbledon are the crowd is the most easily he's amused. Playable too, yes. Yeah, collection of people of all time. But he knew knew what he was doing. I mean, this being a podcast, we won't be able to see the 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 visual of this. But as they cut to reactions in the crowd, there was the usual tittering, and then there was one woman with her mouth open in shock, like <laughs> at this. She was just sort of aghast that they had kind of brought in another grubby sport to this kind of august occasion. The, the bit at the end there as well, Sue Barker coming in over the top of that at the end. She's go, oh, and it's oh, a wonderful interview here on Court Number One. Really so tough. chuffed that there's been a bit. A banter on court number one. She's back. <laughs> Sue's back. So back. A quintessential slice of football being allowed slightly into Wimbledon. Um, there, just just exactly the right amount of football. The mention of penalties and just just the oh, the eruption of polite giggling. Just well done, everyone. You've you've really ticked all the boxes there. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The BBC coverage did eventually start, thank God, 
Nick. The lovely little montage at the start of all the well-worn moments between England and Germany over the years. As always these days, it's a, it was one of those meandering piano pieces that are all the rage now. Your, your Ludovico Arnaldis, your Lubomir Melnicks. Um, in this case, it was Melnick's Pockets of Light which, as I understand, is a poignant 19-minute lament for the semi-mythical interpretation of the offside law of the early 2000s. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. Uh, he's Ukrainian, in fact, Melnik. So that's a that was a, a prescient touch from the BBC. Yeah. Do you think they had ABBA lined up as well? <laughs> what, but a, a plinky-plonky piano version of yeah. The Winner Takes It All or something? Yes, wouldn't put yeah. it past them. That, yeah. I mean, that sounds like something they would do. I asked you at the start what your favourite um, little moment of England versus Germany was. I'll offer you mine. Harry Maguire seems to kind of take it upon himself to embark on those on those dribbles upfield. I mean, it's very much an English football thing as well. We really like it when that happens. It really gets the crowd going. But it's really odd dribbling style, I've noticed now. Yeah. I mean, we've done a whole article on The Athletic about his weird first touch with the outside of his right foot. But his dribbling style is really odd. It's kind of... it's. It's on his tiptoes and he's kind of sort of pushing the ball forward with the outside of his, his foot. It's it's the least barnstorming, barnstorming centre-half dribble upfield I've ever seen. Yeah, he doesn't dribble. Yeah, maybe, you know, like when you get taught as a kid to sort of dribble around the cones, dribble in and out, in and out <laughs> yes. of the cones and try, and try and use sort of both feet to kind of keep yourself balanced. Yeah, maybe he just never, never had that never had that session as a as a six-year-old in Sheffield and has just stuck with his technique ever since. You're completely right, though. It's great, though. It is great because there's it, he's always right on the limit of like oh this could go wrong this could go wrong yes. oh oh yeah it's turned into a tackle but the crowd love it. Harry Maguire needs to unleash himself, doesn't he, Nick? Just go for it. You can do it. You can do it, Harry. It's the, yeah, it's the world's first ever cautious barnstorm. It's, yeah, uh, it really is. Alan Shearer interviewed Jurgen Klinsmann uh, before the game, and he referred to as he seems to refer to quite a thing a few things as like a mustang and i did he's, I, I, I he's used that hasn't he quite a for different players in the last few days and for different analogies has he got has he just got a massive collection of mustangs no i just think he's fully american now Jürgen yeah. Kinsman. Yeah. and uh, yeah. and i feel like i i'm going to assume he has u.s citizenship by now because he does, yeah. he's so transatlantic mm. and i feel like just to top it up just to make sure he, he keeps it he has to keep throwing in classic americanisms every now and then and mustang is his favorite one i like Klinsman, but um he's very tennis dave very tennis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know this, but I'm sure that at some point we will have seen him pictured in the Royal Box at Wimbledon over, I just, over the so, years. Yeah, yes. Then we'd get him into the studio afterwards. Big definitely. mates of Boris Becker as well, of yeah, course. Yeah. We talked about this earlier, Nick. The Thomas Muller miss, a, a, a real kind of landmark moment in, the, in that day. A real sliding doors moment, if you like. What I really enjoyed about it was the, the footage that emerged the day after of a German fan park reacting to that miss. Now, of course, it was one of those situations where they had a lot of time to anticipate what was going on. He ran 30 yards with the ball under relatively little pressure, so he had time to size it up, and so did everybody else. But what's great about this footage, apart from the fact it's just great to see rival fans being disappointed, was there was this near imperceptible moment between the anticipation of the goal-scoring chance... The premature celebration, understandably, as he took his shot, and then the realisation hadn't gone in. It's incredibly... I watched it so many times just to see all those three situations condensed into probably about 0.3 seconds. It's just really fascinating to watch. Yeah, it's kind of one of those understand. It's a very understandable premature celebration as well, yeah. because there was there was enough time to for you to go, oh, fuck, that's Muller. <laughs> Muller scores loads. Of, he's, you know, he's this dead-eyed killer. He's not going to miss. And then you're kind of watching it in slow motion and when you saw the ball going past Pickford 
you you just then assumed well that's in obviously that's in a very kind of understandable um, premature celebration. If that was Timo Werner, for example, then you know the beleaguered Timo Werner, as I think he's I think we we're supposed to call him, you would have you, perhaps you you wouldn't have been quite so kind of keen to uh, jump up and celebrate. It is, but it is also the absolute classic example of the I've I've watched that hundred times since and I mm. still think it's going in. Yes, you know? yes. What was it like at Wembley, Dave? It was a similar roller coaster of emotion. Mm. I was on the same side as the TV cameras. So, you know, if you were behind the goal, I suppose you probably would have known from the moment he left his boot, you'd think, oh, he's, he's sort of, he's scuffed that, it's, bo- it's bobbled, yeah. But I, I thought he was in till, till, the, till the millisecond where it, where it flashed past the post, I, I thought it was in. I, it just, you just, you know, it, it was like my life flashed before my eyes. I was immediately thinking of the, oh, this is going to be penalties now. And, oh, it's all going to come crashing down again. And like... It, so many emotions in the space of like three seconds and as i said at the start when it went past the post i just ran i just ran i just sort of ran in a straight <laughs> line just like celebrating like wildly um more, more than i did really for the first goal which is which is ridiculous really but uh, you're right nick as well what you i've watched i've watched it back on the highlight since and i can't believe i can't what's he done there how, how did he how did it bounce so many times before going past the, <laughs> past the post i thought he yeah. hit it quite well actually yeah. Was it one of those, you know, that thing that Meza Ozil has done a few times where he deliberately kicks it into the ground, so it bounces up? Do you think he he tried that, trying no, to get a, little, get a bit too cute? So. I don't know, it's just weird. It's just maybe. Hang on a minute. Has anyone spoke to Yuri Geller? I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say because do you know, what? it's one of those moments where I kind of sympathise with Yuri Geller and his supposed powers because I'm pretty. I feel like at the time. I could have. I was willing it wide, and then even before I knew it was wide, I was confident that it had gone wide. I, I, as it passed Pickford, I thought, "I think he's dragged this. I think he's dragged it uh, in my in a tiny corner of my brain." And he did. So, in a way, in a way, <laughs> I feel like I am Yuri Geller. In my own little way, I feel I, I you know, psychokinetically pushed it wide. Lovely little touch after the game when all of this stuff went out, um, was all settled and we didn't have to worry anymore. Some lovely interviews after the game, Dave. Um, but I particularly enjoyed this very small excerpt from uh, a lovely chat with Declan Rice. You know, he's scoring so many goals for us. He's crucial. And H made for the big occasion. Um, ran his socks into the ground and <laughs> scored the goal that put the game to bed. Now, as always... Could be perceived as a cheap shot here, but it's not. I really actually, I mean, of all the mangled metaphors I've heard in my life, I quite like ran his socks into the ground. It it works even better than than the constituent parts. Yeah, because it conjures an image of someone so bedraggled and, you know, sort of run, they've flogged themselves so much and worked so hard that they're, you know, their socks are falling down and they are quite literally in the ground. So, yeah, yeah, it definitely works. Yeah, particularly vivid for Kane, just because about 90 Although, seconds... Although, actually, actually, we should say, I mean, he didn't run his socks into the ground, though, did he? Well, about 90 seconds before he scored the, uh, the second goal, he was kind of shuttling the ball forward in this kind of vague, not sure what to do here kind of way that you do when you're 1-0 up in the 89th minute. And uh, it was... It was really odd to watch him move. He looked so knackered. Uh, and it was, I mean, we're so accustomed to seeing Kane move in that way, but it was just, it was extra lethargic. And then, of course, he went and scored anyway. So I, I shouldn't have doubted him or his biomechanics at that stage. But um, more importantly, Nick, where does Clamour Watch go from here? I don't know who I'm clamouring for or what. What are well, we clamouring for now? 
four at the I back? Think, I think we're probably clamouring for four at the back. We're still clamouring for Grealish to be in from the start oh, okay. because it's it's the it's the sort of slightly askew logic of football where um, if something has worked and this uh, it, you know bringing a player off the bench to impact a game very clearly worked last night, then the clamour is for to to do something a bit like that but different. As in, don't bring him on, put him on from the start, and he'll do that from you know from the first moment. But um, you know, Dave, I'm seeing a kind of emerging anti-clamour now. There was a lot of sentiment after the game saying, "Well, you doubted Southgate. We whined about his team selections, and now look, maybe he does know what he's doing." I hate that. I actually hate that. Oh, <laughs> oh, maybe this international football manager does know a thing or two more than you about how to pick a football team for a major tournament. It's not how it's not how football should work. You're allowed to have opinions. Lots of amateur epi- epidemiologists out there. Yes, it's fine. Allowed to be amateur at anything, including I, podcasting. I think I think that Harry Kane goal has averted, uh, has stopped any potential clamouring for there for him to be out of the team in its tracks. I think I think that that that's safe to say. I think you're right that there was definitely a feeling of Grealish. Obviously, Grealish came on and was involved in both goals. But I, I, and and actually, it was very notable being at Wembley how from as early as like 50th minute there was chance of, and I didn't like this super super Jack super super Jack super super Jack super Jackie Grealish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is where the chant often falls down because I'm. He could never be a Jackie Grealish because that's Jackie incredibly Grealish. 1970s, isn't it? It's yeah. It's awful. He's not Jackie. He is not a Jackie. Oh, come on. War Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Rubbish. He could never be a Jackie. I mean, if he was alive in the 70s and and, and had been that sort of player, Jackie would have have elevated him to almost George Best territory, Nick. But I I just don't see him becoming a Jackie at any stage. We'll also fall into that category if he was Jackie Grealish of uh, having a name that sounded like a mate of your mum's as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was at, I was at the school gates and Jackie Grealish told me exactly. of all people. Yeah, Jackie Her- Grealish. Very dinner lady name. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After the game, Dave, I mean, I feel like this is this is written in UK law that we have to talk about this after a game or an event like this. But this was viewing figures, a massively English preoccupation. Let me run you through the numbers because they are all important. The average audience of 17 million on the BBC for England's win over Germany, peaking at 20.6 million. When you get into the 20s, you know you are into epochal viewing figure territory. That's the the year's biggest audience so far on the BBC. For context, I'm a Celebrity drew only 14.4 million, strictly commanded only 12.6, Bake Off 11.8, Britain's Got Talent 11.3. Football's back on the up, Dave. We're we're falling back in love with it. It's always Gary Lineker that tells us this stuff as well, isn't it? (laughs) Proudly announcing. What my question is, how does it compare to the snooker in the 80s? <laughs> that was like, what are the benchmarks? <laughs> definitely snooker in the 80s, it's like isn't it? That, that yeah. one snooker final, would say Taylor and... and Dennis Taylor and Dave, Steve Davis. Davis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was like ridiculous, 30 million people watching it or something. And what's the other, what, I suppose the next thing is what, Diana's funeral. 
a royal yeah. wedding. Dirty Den and Ange. Yes, Dirty Den. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, England versus Germany, 1990. Until we're mixing it with any of those, I don't want to know. Well, I mean, um, Lineker did update us uh, soon after those viewing figures came out, Nick. And he said, if you add on the live stream numbers, you're up, you're up to 27 million plus. Now we're into real got to make a table for the newspaper's territory now. Yeah, I don't know. Is this... Are these the sort of numbers that you, you equate to a, you know, that's three times the size of Wales or something like that? Do you do, you do that or... I think it's is, more is, of a, is, is that only for small numbers? Like the population of Iceland is like equivalent to Yorkshire or whatever it was. Interesting enough, I don't think I've ever seen viewing figures translated into population of other countries, which feels odd because that feels like the most natural way of expressing it. That's a very good point. Um, I think it's because we get preoccupied, Dave, with the national grid, but I haven't heard any <laughs> chat about the national grid and how many kettles were boiled after the game maybe we should start talking about our listener figures in those terms i mean i'll start announcing them after the day after a podcast i won't i won't no nobody needs to know those definitely but this um, this, this that, that would make more sense because there are other podcasts you there are other ways of you know passing a 45 minutes by the bbc was in this country was the only place that you could watch that watch that so if we put this the, the zoom recording of this podcast on bbc one tonight at at 5 p.m even even that early hour of 5 p.m i think we'd get i think we would get 8 million 8 million just just for people <laughs> yeah. who cannot be bothered to watch anything because else it's just what the hell is this yeah. yeah yeah true and that's that is roughly the population of wales i imagine so that's not too bad it's if you're listening million, if you're listening tim davy and you fancy it <laughs> Give us a call. I feel like we'd um, we'd fall foul of the uh, social media guidelines fairly fairly soon after broadcast. Anyway, uh, a technical matter from the from the front pages the next day, Nick. I won't name the newspaper, but um, in the in the little bit of text at the bottom, they claimed that the three lions thumped their old enemy. It's not a thumping, is it? I, th- I feel, it feels like this could be quite a short section because no, absolutely no. not a thumping. What's a thumping, Dave? At least three nil. No, three three nil could definitely be a thumping. Is is three probably isn't a thrashing, but three could be a thumping. Mm. Thumping is less than a thrashing, yeah. You know, at, at its lowest threshold. Well, what um, is it? Yeah, what is a two nil? I mean, in that in those circumstances, a two nil win secured late on after a relatively cagey first two thirds of the game. I'm not really sure how to classify it. Is it an eased? I'm not sure it was an eased. Eased to a two nil win? Mm. No, because it wasn't. T- it wasn't easy. Was it's it? all about the second goal, isn't it? Making the game safe, isn't it? As it's very specific but, to that goal. But I don't think eased is easy. I think to me, eased is like you ease something carefully into a tight spot. <laughs> okay, like if, you, if you've got a, if you if you're parking in a very kind of uh, small amount of space, you ease your car into the space. Okay, so, so sort of carefully, meticulously done, rather yeah. than easily done. So, so I suppose yesterday may have been eased. Edged. No, I'm not, I'm not it convinced. It was more than an edging, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's more than edging. But um, the, the occasion was too big, perhaps, for an easing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It wasn't routine. No, definitely should have asked our listeners, really. But I certainly mm. haven't seen a definitive description of the game as a whole. So maybe, maybe late two nil victories need a new word. I'll work on that for the uh, quarterfinals. Ukraine versus Sweden, Nick afterwards i mean it was always a weird way around of having this i mean i'm not saying we have much power over this but it was always going to be a bit of a weird post-match situation having to watch ukraine versus sweden in a really underwhelming dessert after a after a main course that could have gone either way i mean it was a good game which we won't talk about but there was a very surreal moment 
I mean, there were a couple of surreal moments. The first of all, really, a moment when Jonathan Pierce decided to ask Martin Keown if he thought England would get a day off as Sweden were attacking. It's like, leave it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. right now. It, 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 it doesn't help the kind of perception that the, the media... You always get this when, particularly if it's like a Scotland game, and then at half-time, ITV and the BBC cut to... You know, one of the misses from the England camp or something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to know about the. You know, this is a game going on, and yeah, they 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 really don't help themselves. There was another moment of of Pierce Keown badinage where I don't know what what the the context was, but Pierce was basically he said that Keown was giving him a look, like a, a, the implication it being like a quite a fearsome, intimidating look that like this kind of. Massively brutal centre half, former centre half, was staring deep into his soul and terrifying him. But Martin Keown's not a frightening man. I, 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 He's an unnerving man, possibly. But I, th- I think the the kind of the the Van Nistelrooy, the, the pantomime Van Nistelrooy jostle, stopped him from being intimidating or frightening. So. I don't know, it was just a sort of odd moment of commentary box banter. Who knows what went on there. Uh, equally puzzling, Dave, was, was um, well, this following section, um, where, where Jonathan Pierce revealed his contacts book. This has just come up on my phone from a Premier League manager, Mark. I'll tell you who it is. So don't worry about telling everyone the news is on late. We've already gone to bed. He should be in bed. I won't tell you who it is, but he's a very old man. He should be in bed, tucked up. Who is it? Oh. Who was it? Come on. <laughs> that is absolutely shameless, isn't it? Is it Hodgson? It's not Hodgson. It can't be Hodgson. Can't be Roy Hodgson is not going to text Jonathan Pierce watching <laughs> Sweden. <laughs> no, that's he true. probably is watching. Probably rooting for the Swedes, I should imagine, with given his connections. But um, the mate, the little the little dropping in of the uh, stop telling everyone about the news, mate. Oh, yeah, we know your mates with the Premier League manager, Jonathan. Well done. But I think I'm going to... I don't know why. There's no logic to it. My instinct mm. says Alan Pardew. Oh, yeah. right. So you think he was playing fast and loose with Premier League manager, do you? Yeah. Okay. Sort of Premier League manager emeritus rather than current. He <laughs> yeah, he didn't specify current Premier League managers, did he? So I, I think I think Pardew also fits in with my theory that he wasn't actually an old, not actually an old man, and this was just extended banter that you know, oh, old man Pardew over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So, I mean, uh, the, the obvious one was Sam Allardyce, but I don't, I don't know whether that's too straightforward. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think Pardew is a good shot, actually. Again, I just can't, I can't see Allardyce summoning the strength to bother doing that. I mean, it's such a weird thing to text a commentator. And then who's texting commentators during the game? That's highly unprofessional. Anybody who was desperate to watch the news <laughs> would have been thoroughly annoyed to find that all they did was talk about football for the first five minutes so that um great stuff but um a nice little touch as always nick to tell us that the news is going to follow this program i don't know i'm totally sure why they have to do it but they do just thoroughly confused former premier league managers just tuning in to yeah it's the implication that the implication being that the premier league manager was watching the game mm. maybe the premier league manager did just sort of tune in expecting to see hugh edwards and um you know then took out his frustration on jonathan pierce yeah well maybe we will never know but that's it for the football cliches podcast for today thanks dave Hope, um, oh your wall chart um you must i've got images of you filling that in with a nice little smile on your face uh, did you, you use your little felt tip you'd be absolutely <laughs> correct i nearly I, I i was nearly filmed it and put it on social media but i did i refrained in the end but yeah it was a nice moment filling it in i took extra care to get the england to germany nil as neat as i possibly could thanks to you nikki miller for the jackie grealish-esque stepping in 
as a hungover Tom Rosenthal stays on the sidelines. Yeah, my my pleasure. I saw I saw my face on the big screen. I <laughs> rearranged my silly boy band hair. Yeah, and I stepped in. Well done, everyone. See everybody next time. Bye. Have some pan pizza. The Athletic. <laughs>